Well, here, come on. All righty, here we are this morning. Um, you know, I was thinking um, when I got up here uh, about Tanya and I had a good experience a few weeks ago. Uh, the Casting Crowns came in town, and they're a group I really like. Um, normally, um, I'm not big on concerts, but, uh, and then now the doctors are telling me to avoid big public gatherings, but uh, I don't know if it was, she won some prize or something at work, we were able to get two tickets to use her company's uh, private suite to, for the concert, which ended up being pretty cool, um, with only two of us in there. So, uh, but anyway, during the concert, um, the leads, when they were breaking down the, the stage between the um, opening act and casting crowns, the lead singer for Casting Crowns came out and was talking to the audience about the importance of um, community fellowship, essentially going to church, and how it's okay to watch church on the TV or on the internet, but it's not the same as being in it with a group of believers. And he said, I know there's some of you that um, think of, you know, there's a bunch of hypocrites or whatever in churches, and he said, I'm gonna tell you churches or like snicker bars. Eventually you're gonna run into a nut. And <laughs> hopefully by the time I'm done today, you're not, you don't think that I'm the nut in the church, but uh, um, I'll just give you a forewarning. If there's an awkward, awkward pause up here where I look like I'm staring in space, I gotta give my eyes time to focus. This medicine I'm on bounces them back and forth between nearsighted and farsighted. Um, so things get a little blurry. I can see you, but sometimes I can't see my notes. So I told Cole this may be the shortest sermon in church history, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. And if I have a twitch, um, don't ig just ignore it. Um, well, you, you would have won the bet, Tanya, how soon I'd cry. But uh, every once in a while, my heart feels... It's hurting pretty bad this morning. And I didn't take a pain pill because I thought it looked pretty bad if I fell asleep during my own sermon. But um, it, every once in a while I just feel like um, when my heart beats, it just feels like someone stabbing you in the chest. And it, it hurts pretty bad, but um, I have faith that God will get me through this. But that's enough about me. Today, we're going to be looking at the conversation between Jesus and a man labeled as the um, rich young ruler. This story is told in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, but today, we're going to be looking at the scripture in Mark, primarily because Mark included one little detail that the other two didn't. And um, the it's... It's just, if you just read through it real quick, you'll miss it, but there is one detail that's different. So we're gonna start in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. It said, now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I, what shall I, how shall I inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, 
Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away grieved, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And his disciples were astonished at the words. But Jesus answered again and said to him, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. So when I, when I read the scripture, for some reason, um, a couple things come to mind. And I envisioned I this guy really sad after what he heard, walking away with the shoulders kind of slumped, um, not really caring about what's going on. And forgive me, but for some reason in my mind, I'm hearing Adele singing in the background, you could have had it all, you know, as the guy walked away. And then the other thing that this kind of reminded me of was, uh, I don't know if you've seen, there's this Liberty Mutual commercial where these, the family sitting around a Christmas tree um, opening gifts. And the first kid opens his up and it's a big box. I've got home insurance, we can save a bunch of money. And then they pan to the other kid and he's, his, his name happens to be Mike. <laughs> but uh, he turned around, kicked, his, kicked at it, and said, I just got a bike. You know, just, but neither one of those descriptions truly describe um, what this um, young man was going through. And just a side note, if your name is Mike, and there's a lot of commercials out there, and if you happen to like Life Serial, it's not a good thing, and honestly, I really dread going to work on Wednesdays. Um, I don't know, you, some of you know that commercial, but I get tired of um, asking what day it is, and it just, but uh, anyway, anyway, um, it's, he walked away grieved. Some translations say he was sad or sorrowful, but the literal translation is grieved, which means it's uh, um, a grieved is basically um, an emotion that is defined as cause to suffer. You're grieved, um, it causes you pain. Um, and then it's have you ever asked a question that caused you to suffer? And I know some of their men are thinking, you, you know, my wife, but uh, but uh, anyway, it's it caused him. Not, it's more than being sad or sorrowful. He was truly grieved. And he could, but primarily because he couldn't accept the answer he was given. Um, to go 
give away all you have. And while we don't know much about what happened after the man walked away, um, let's take a look at what we do know about the man. The text reveals to us the man was well-mannered, he was well-educated, he was sincere, he was wealthy, and he had many possessions. Yet, with all that he had, he came running and kneeling to the feet of Jesus. It seemed like he realized he was missing something in his life. And we see that the man took steps to fill that void. He came to the right person. He asked the right question. He received the right answer. The problem is he made the wrong choice. And, you know, you look at your life at the choices and decisions that you have made. Some cause short-term pain. Some cause long-term pain. You know, I, I was thinking about, you know, the decisions that I've made. Generally, my wife will tell you that have caused trips to the ER. Um, a lot of, lot of pain, but it was all short-term. You know, I, I remember um, with my brother-in-law, we had this thing we called the mud buggy. It was just a, I don't know how to describe it, it was a track vehicle that had two bus, bus seats mounted on top of it and had a Chevy 327 engine on the back. And this thing could go pretty quick. And down where we were, Tanya's parents had farm ground and we had a little bit of area down where we raced three-wheelers. And um, Tanya's brother said, hey, let's take the mud buggy back here and you know, see what we can do. And there was this pit that we had that was probably about 10 feet wide, 20 feet long, and maybe a couple feet deep. And after the floodwaters went down, if you tried walking across this thing, you were gonna lose your, your shoes. Cause it was just, I don't know if you know what blue mud is. It just, it just sinks in there and you stick. Well, her brother got the bright idea. Hey, let's see if we can ride this mud buggy across it. And uh, I, to this day, I have no idea why I thought it was a good idea. But uh, we got on that thing and he was driving, he revved it up. We hit that mud. The mud buggy stopped moving and I didn't. And, and it threw me, I, I don't know how far, but I tell you, it was a, when you can't use your leg to shift the gears on a tractor to go back, it's a long ride back. And it, my knee got about that big around and I was sore for a few days. But like I said, those, a decision like that is just a short term. The decision this rich young ruler made is something that affected the rest of his life and eternity. And um, we look at it where he went to, the, he made the choice. He said, we went to the right person. He said, the young man came to the good teacher. And Jesus asked him, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And generally in scripture, when they use good to describe something, it means um, without sin. And we know that Jesus is the only one that's ever lived without sin. So with that being said, we must conclude only God is good, Jesus is good, therefore Jesus is God. And Jesus is not God because he was good, he was good because he was God. So the young, rich young man went to God with his issue and didn't recognize it and walked away. Uh, despite all of his accomplishments, despite all he had, he still had a longing for something 
but he wanted to spend eternity with God. But if you notice Jesus' response, it says, why, do you, why did Jesus only mention six of the Ten Commandments? The answer is in the one detail only described in Mark. It said, Jesus, then Jesus looking on him, loved him. Jesus looked at, told him those six uh, commandments, but he knew what was in his heart. Jesus didn't look at his outward appearance. He didn't look at his wealth. He looked at where the man's heart was, and the man's heart was on his wealth. And so he didn't keep the very first commandment. And that commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And he put the, his money before God. And that is a decision that we make sometimes in our life. Jesus said, one thing you lack, go sell all you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. When the man walked away, he had broken that first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. His wealth and possessions became his redeemer. James 2 verse 10 states that if we break one of the laws, we break them all. But let's understand, you can keep all the commandments. That will not save you. You can sell everything you have and give to the poor, and that will not save you. Jesus revealed to the man that his gold could not be his God. And Jesus also revealed where the man's heart was. And it just, he walked away. And I believe what Jesus was telling that rich young ruler is that you have to give up what you want to have what you need. He needed Jesus, but he wanted to keep everything else he had. No one ever came to Jesus with more, and no one ever left Jesus with less. So listen carefully what I'm trying to say here is that no one ever comes to Jesus and be in the presence of the Lord and leaves the same way. Something is going to change about your life. What should have been that young man's happiest day of his existence became the saddest. He walked away from the greatest thing he could ever have. He almost, he almost had it all. Which is where the title came from. He almost had it all. He almost, he had his wealth, he had his health, he had all this going on. But the one thing he needed most, he walked away from it. And then at this point, you're probably thinking, same thing the disciples ask. Um, what if uh, Kim, or my eyes focus again. You may be thinking the same thing the disciples has. Can wealth keep you out of heaven? That's not what Jesus said. I've got a little PowerPoint if it'll show up. Anybody have any idea what that says? Anybody familiar with shorthand? Well, when Tanya took shorthand in, in school, and after we, got first, after we first got married, 
you know, this was before cell phones and stuff. When we'd have a call, she would leave a note for me. And I was like, what? <laughs> but the first one says, call your dad. Um, and the second one says, um, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And Bruce isn't even here to hear it. But uh, um, when you see something like that, it's kind of like trying to understand scripture. There's going to be things that we come across that we don't understand. Just like that, Tanya would leave me notes like that. I was like, what in the world are you talking about? I had to go to the source. I had to go to the person that left the note. Same way, if we come across scripture that we don't understand, we go to the source that gave all the words to the Bible. We pray and ask God to give us the Holy Spirit to guide us. And then we... Also, we can, she had a little reference book that kind of described it. Of course, I still had no idea what it meant. But a lot of times when you're, when you're studying the Bible, you don't understand something. You can read another translation, a Bible translation that might help you to understand a little bit more. Or you look, when you're reading scriptures, you look at the verses that are around it. You don't just base it on just one verse. You look at the verses before and after, and it'll help you understand. And then there's other scriptures that help you understand what was actually taking place. What I was saying earlier when, why did Jesus only ask or get, you know, ask about the um, six commandments instead of all ten? It helped the guy to understand that um, it didn't matter, you know, if you broke one, you broke them all, which is what we're told in James. But uh, we have to understand that you can't take before, you know, you have to read all the scriptures before and after. And another way is you can get together in small group Bible studies. Sunday school and our D groups are good for that, where you can bounce ideas back and forth off each other. If you don't understand the scripture, maybe the person in your small group can help you understand something a little bit better. And that's why it's important not just to come to church, but to be in um, Sunday school or be in like a small group Bible study to help study with other Christians to understand God's word. So what is Jesus actually saying about being wealthy and what does it have to do with a camel? Um, if we look at that, Jesus was using a phrase that was familiar in his time. And it's actually a phrase that had started from, from Persia. And their word was, uh, their phrase was, an elephant through the eye of a needle. And the Jewish people in, his, in Jesus' time had adopted that phrase and used the biggest a animal in their area, which was a camel. And uh, it's just a, it's a phrase that describes an impossibility. And it's nothing more than that. And there's, but there's a lot of debate on what do they mean by the eye, of the, the eye of the needle. And there's people that go by the needle gate theory. And what's the needle gate theory? The needle gate theory is that that is a description of a small gate out on the city of Jerusalem that they would, have, they would take a camel through. And for the camel to get through there, they would have to take off its baggage, and the camel would have to crawl through on its knees to get through this gate. 
In modern terms, that would be like me trying to get in the front seat of my daughter's Corolla. Um, it's, it's almost an impossibility, but I can fit eventually. I have no idea. Brent would never get in there, but I can, I can squeeze, push the seat all the way back, but it's still, it's still something that is possible. And that's not what Jesus is saying. Is we, if we look at that viewpoint, what we're saying is that if we unload all of our baggage, if we humble ourselves before the Lord, we can be saved. Essentially, by going by that, that theory, we're saying that um, we can manufacture our own salvation. And that's not what Jesus is saying. I look at more, it's more of the literal eye of a sewing needle, trying to push a camel through that. That's just an impossibility. Um, that we should, and go back to what I was saying, how do, I, how do I come to that conclusion? Remember what I was saying about make sure you read all the verses through it? Well, if, it, if you look at the very, verse 27, it tells us that just as going through the eye of a needle is impossible, that if you go down a little bit farther, it says all things are possible through God. That's the same way through our salvation, that um, it's not about our money. It's not about our possessions. It's about our relationship with God. Um, God's grace is the difference, that we can't save ourselves. And that's why I come to that conclusion. It's, we can't manufacture our own salvation. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing we can buy. It doesn't matter how strong you are, how smart you are, how good you are. There is nothing that you can do. It's only through the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, that we get our salvation. The rich, the rich young ruler went away grieved. If you, remember, if you remember anything from today, remember this. A person can feel guilt, but that doesn't mean they have God. A person can feel sorry for their sins, but that does not mean they have received salvation. A person can feel remorse and regret, but that is not the same as repentance. Repentance is turning away from sin towards God in having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. There, you can feel sorry, you can feel sad, you can, for whatever you did, but true repentance is turning away from that sin towards God. And you have to remember, there's no salvation apart from our personal faith in Jesus Christ. There's a story of two men during the gold rush going deep in the Alaska interior. They were searching for gold, and they never returned. Years later, one of the men who, there was other men who also traveled deep in the interior looking for gold. They came across the hut. When, the, when, large, and when they came across this hut, they went inside, they found two skeletons sitting at a table, surrounded by piles of gold all over the table, all over the hut. And um, there was a note that uh, they described that um, they, their digging of the gold had become so successful that they, didn't pay, they ignored the warning signs of a storm coming. They were, the more they mined, the more gold they got, the more they lost touch with what's going on around them. And they, they thought 
they could just wait just a little bit more. Then the blizzard came and trapped them in this hut, and they soon died from cold and lack of food. They had found their gold, but they had lost their lives. They lost track of their priorities, and they, they almost had it all, but they left empty-handed. That's the same way that we are in our lives sometimes, that we strive for, I want to be promoted to so high in the company, or I want to have this much wealth before something happens, or whatever you're searching for. That can be your hindrance from doing the Lord's work or following God. We can't pay attention. We got to pay attention to the warning signs. Christ is going to return someday. Where are you going to spend your salvation? It doesn't matter how much money you have. You can't buy eternity. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You can't be smart enough to figure out how to get to heaven. It's only through Christ. And then Jesus wants to be Lord of our life. And when we, don't, when we put him second, um, we become just like the rich young ruler. Is, and I ask, is Jesus Lord of your life? And we don't, if you leave here today and he's not Lord of your life, please don't run away. You have, um, he wants you, he loves you, he wants you to be part of his life. And there are two truths for everyone here today. Someday we're going to meet God. And someday we're going to spend eternity somewhere. Where's it going to be? Heaven or hell? You have, you have that choice. Um, when you face God, what will you hear? Enter in, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Or will you hear, depart from me. I never knew you. And we get in a trap <clears throat> that we think we have plenty of time. That's, you know, it's a common trap for people today is that I've got tomorrow. I've got the next day. You have, you're not guaranteed your next breath. You're only guaranteed that you're going to spend eternity somewhere, heaven or hell. And you think you're going to, well... Something happens, I'll do a deathbed confession. I'm telling you, it's not that simple. I learned that in June. Um, it happens just like that. Um, I feel fortunate that I got a second chance. I'll never remember that June 15th, my heart stopped. And when I came to, they were putting the defibrillator pads on me. And I was like, hey, I'm awake. No shock advised. But uh, they were, the nurses were standing around me saying, God must not be done with you yet. You know, and the doctor said, um, told me, you know, that my wife saved my life. Because when they told me to go to the hospital, you know how your parents always tell you to put clean underwear on? You know, I was going to go take a shower and uh, brush my teeth and come. And Tanya said, put your shoes on. Let's go to the hospital. And the doctor said, if I did that, I wouldn't be here today. And I don't know why I get so emotional about it, but I know that God gave me a second chance.
And Cole asked me to preach today, and I know I wasn't sure because sometimes I just I can't see the words on the page. But God gave me a second chance, and I don't want to waste it. So I ask you, where, where do you stand? If I told Tanya, I said, I was, I was ready to go, I just didn't want to. I knew that if my life ended today, where I would spend eternity. Can you say the same? Do you know where you'll spend the rest of your life? You're going to spend it somewhere. It's either going to be heaven or hell. And I, I just I plead with you that if you have never made that decision, don't run away today. The Savior's waiting.